0: Previously, on the Nature of My Game podcast.
1: She ended things. She hasn't spoken to me, just like I'm sure your master wants.
2: I'm here on behalf of of a Montgomery hog, and I would not call that man master of anything.
3: Francis here is a wonderful, uh, one of the best photographers in the world, if I do say so myself, and this box seems like a perfect one for our purposes.
2: Cowardly though your actions may be, this is not your fault.
1: The first thing that hits you as soon as you enter into the box is that there is a strange scent permeating the box.
2: What are you hoping to accomplish by walking down a path that has no end? There is no light at the end of it. There's no door to go through. So explain to me what the, what the point of pursuing it any further would be then.
0: Who are you again? I will take this picture. Like, I mean, God only knows what might show up, all things considered, but...
2: Events of that size, the threat that that poses in terms of the the ability someone would have to move around unnoticed to be able to listen in and see, we must watch everything that we say and do in that place.
1: But you, as she's singing, kind of glance over at the Duke's box, and you see a gloved hand that parts the curtain slightly when she's singing, and as soon as she finishes the curtain, closes again.
3: Paris, July 12th, 1895. It would be another sleepless night. The City of Lights had earned its name for a reason, and though darkness fell heavily, the street lanterns still burned their way into the eyes of Monty Hogg. His room had curtains. He could have closed them if he wanted to. But for weeks, Monty had tried to keep sleep at bay whenever he could. There were things worse than exhaustion, things that haunted him whenever he finally gave in and closed his eyes. Things that had attacked him and his friends, things that whispered of unnatural worlds and sickly colors. Monty jerked his head up, even standing, thinking his lids had grown heavy. He needed a way to distract himself, something to keep himself awake. He turned, still in a fog, and looked toward his writing desk. Desperate times. He stepped toward the writing desk in the dimness of the room, lit a single yellow wax candle, and sat. Pen scratched onto paper. My dearest father, my first order of business must be an apology for the tardiness of my correspondence. Under more auspicious circumstances, I would deign to write you weekly with news of my academic progress and samples of articles I have had published in local periodicals. For this city remains as it ever is, a light of culture and education, any recent troubles notwithstanding. However, the circumstances in which I find myself are the worst I can remember since my earliest days, This letter is a unique artifact, for I've all but abandoned the written word. I sleep too little, and when I do, my dreams are haunted by demons. I snap at strangers, am brusque and cold to even my closest friends, and do not trust myself to engage in society, polite or otherwise, for fear of what I may say or do. Father, I have seen horrors beyond comprehension. Not horrors of man, not the blood, soot, and sadism of our worst impulses, but something more. Visions that anyone would say came from Milton's own pandemonium. Alien creatures, men and women reduced to maddened parodies who tear at their own flesh. I do not know how much longer I can go on this way. I thought for a time that my friends and I had dealt with the source of this madness, yet I still find the memories of it intrusive, abrasive, real. You do not hear from me again. Know that I love you and mother very much. Your dutiful son, Monty. As he finished, Monty glanced down. A small smudge of still-wet ink from the final lines left a dark stain on the heel of his right hand. His eye twitched once. He folded the letter, first the bottom and then the top, creating clean creases. Once it had been reduced to a mailable size, he lifted the paper in his hand, looking through it, Against the candlelight, a half smirk crossed his face. He moved the letter over the candle flame and watched as the flame consumed the words he had taken down. And for the first time in weeks, he laughed.
1: So there's definitely something that feels distinctly different about a season where we're picking up characters that have already gone through something rather than starting right from kind of, you know, starting, starting right off the bat with brand new characters. But I can't quite tell whether this is... Is this the second book in a series? Is this the second season of a television show? Or is this a movie sequel? What do you all think?
2: I'd think a movie sequel so far. Movie <laughs> sequel just because it's done things like Let's go back and see this character and like it just but just one scene, not not do anything like <laughs> and then it does it's like uh, you know, like oh, Francis is gonna get drunk in this scene, we didn't see that in the last <laughs> one, so like you're doing similar things like oh, Donald's off on his own, and Monty and Francis are doing are exploring, but now it's in a the theater and they're doing it's. A little different. I think that it feels very movie sequel-y
1: to me. Yeah, I think I agree. Which maybe, which I'm not sure is is great because there are a lot of bad movies. Yeah, does sequels, that bode but... well?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I...
3: <laughs> this is true, and I'm also on the movie sequel boat uh, because mm. I think I feel like the first one had a kind of self-contained sense to it, where it's like we don't know if sure. we'll ever be back here, so yeah. this is a complete thing. Yep. yep. Um, and then. All right, Made so money. now yeah, now we are coming back. We're doing the second one. Here we go. Um, Whereas the you know season one can stand alone. Obviously, it's built to, But but let's yeah. let's come back. Let's do this. Uh, you know, let's do this again and see these characters again. Yeah, I, I agree that there are some bad movie sequels, and I I certainly thought of certain <laughs> things where I was like, ooh, I hope this doesn't like
2: the Hangover part. I hope I don't
3: do like <laughs> one of the bad Star Wars sequels with this <laughs> in terms of All the character of arc and where I'm going, but. <laughs>
0: I, um, well, and I'm, I'm struck, right, because, like, it's it's one of those things, I, I shocker, I come from the world of fandom, and in, it's it's always one of my favorite things is the way that, like, fans attach themselves to something, and they see all these little details, and the people who create the story don't necessarily realize those details are there, mm-hmm. and so when they come to make the second thing they don't necessarily bring back those details <laughs> because they weren't significant to them. Um, right. Which is why it's it's fun that we, <laughs> we do and have also, our, our Marcel shout out.
2: <laughs> I feel like it's easy to, not easy, but it's like when you're right in the beginning of something, the right the mm. in the beginning of a story, you have all that like character, that time where you're learning the characters and you're mm. learning their quirks and everything like you see so many seasons of tv that like it should have been one or a movie that should because it's like you didn't realize that like you don't actually have a compelling story here you had compelling introductions and missed like that's i think everything after stranger things season one is abysmally bad i think they're all (laughs) i think two and three are bad 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 and they're like not like there's entertaining parts of it but like they're not, there's nothing happening. And it's because like the beauty of that series that was like, oh, these kids and it's so mysterious. And the minute you just have to like, okay, now who are they? It's like, oh, I don't know, they're, they're kids. <laughs> they're, they're looking for something. What are you asking me for? <laughs> something
0: and strange. And I think that
2: that's the, cha- that's the challenge of doing a second of anything is like, you mm-hmm. don't get to lean on the crutch of like, get to know this character. The people know yeah. them. You have mm-hmm. to, now you have to live them.
0: You have to be coherent. <laughs>
1: Do any of you know Emily Nuzbaum? she's a mm-hmm. she's a TV writer. Yeah she's I think great. she was the one that said this that and maybe I'm totally attributing it to the absolute wrong person. So forgive me if I am. but that the first season of a TV show is either the best season of the show or the worst season yeah, of the show. That's fair. Mm-hmm. that's fair. and I think that I think that makes so much sense because if your story is compelling, it's probably the worst because you're not you know you you haven't hit your stride yet. But if it's if it's really just kind of one self-contained thing, then it's the best. Because trying to do any more than that is no. is is frivolous.
2: Well, that puts us in a bad position because either we were the best and <laughs> there's no point, <laughs> or we're sitting here uh, the the actors from the worst season in the history of Nature by Game podcast. So really, that's a terrible fate.
1: <laughs> it's well. all it's all downhill from here. Yeah,
2: it's either all downhill or we were the worst ever. So who knows? I'm not comfortable with either.
1: But compare, yeah, I don't think there's any way to compare. I don't think there's <laughs> any way to compare season one and is. season two, season three. they They're all. I feel like they're so different. Yeah, they're very they are different. They're all very things.
2: different.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's, uh, that's the good thing about them being stories that are only sort of like very lightly related yes, to one another, yes. just kind of loose threads. Yeah. They can really all be self contained.
1: Are you saying you don't think I have one grand, overarching storyline this time? Well,
0: we know that
3: Monty We've talked is about the...
1: this. I know. I know.
0: No, Monty's in every season. It's decided.
1: Yes. A, a glimpse He's behind the, the screen. Behind the I'm making it up as I go. Monty's the key to all of this.
2: He's a funnier character than we've ever had. We have to get him working.
3: The George Lucas approach. Yeah, yes. the George Lucas approach get the
2: funniest character you've ever had working. And profit.
0: <laughs> Ta-da!
1: There's no middle step. All no. right, so let's uh, let's dive back in. We're gonna we're gonna dive right back into the very moment that we left off. Because our three characters are watching an opera performance, and as the minor character in this particular opera, but the soon to be star of the upcoming Casilda opera. Starts to sing, Monty sees a gloved hand just ever so slightly open up the curtains of the Duke de Rudier's box and look out. And then, as soon as she finishes, the curtains close again. So, how do the three of you, Monty? How do you react to seeing this first? You're the you're the first one to see it.
3: Um, I am going to. I, so I think we decided that I'm I'm sitting next to Don. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm just going to kind of, like, reach my hand over and, like, just quickly squeeze, like, Don's forearm. Just kind of, like, get his attention type of a thing, because I know he's watching the performance. And if he looks over to me, just kind of do a quick little, like, head head nod gesture to indicate over,
2: like, over in the box. So do I, does he get it in time? Do I see the thing open?
1: I think you probably do. If he breaks your concentration away from Celeste, I think mm-hmm. you do probably see that gloved hand kind of and pulling th- onto the curtain.
3: Given... W- where we are in the show, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Francis sees it or not, but I'm not no. going to notify her of this no. show because <laughs> I just want to keep that kind of. She has gotten
0: transfixed by a man a couple of rows ahead of them who is like doing the head nodding thing as he as he starts to fall asleep and then he'll jerk back up and she's just like transfixed. And when will he go? When will he yeah. fall
2: asleep? So yeah, I just kind of give Monty a look like that's weird, like that. mm Hmm. And then they kind of look back from the box to the girl and be like, mm. uh, "I think that's
3: really all we can reasonably do in this situation. We don't want to draw a bunch of attention to ourselves, so
2: boo, this sucks." <laughs>
3: <laughs> I do want to boo if anyone if anyone else starts booing the performance, yeah, no, I, I will join yeah, in.
2: Yeah, <laughs> if anyone boos, I'm gonna no, eagerly no, so jump there... to my feet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 there are no boos. The performance goes on. Without too much of a hitch, uh, everyone performs adequately, including Celeste. The show is not amazing, but people politely applaud as it finishes. It went for longer than two hours, and so I think Francis can discard <laughs> her <survived>. card. <laughs> she made it through. Just before the two hours are up, I shove Francis near the edge of the balcony.
2: Frank's <laughs> ah! <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no <laughs> I would probably like having seen it now and having seen that she does it it's obviously not like exactly my sister right mm-hmm. I would imagine one of the first things I would do is like get out and realize like I have a bouquet of flowers for this person <laughs> like, I am not the person who is so I would probably already be thinking like I need to I need to give these to Monty until I'm like you go give it to her and talk to her I'm not gonna talk to her like you you can charm people I can't so I'm already like my, his logic brain is already thinking like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now that this is not my sister, oh no, my plan.
1: <laughs> These flowers, oh, I don't know no. what to do with them. Yeah, what am I going to do with them?
2: And I'm going to fixate on them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so people are starting to kind of file out of their seats. The, you know, the performance is over. What do the three of you do? That was do we dreadful. have the flowers? We, we have yeah, the flowers right now. Yeah, you have, the, right you have I mean, the flowers. Yeah, you do. I'm willing to go
3: up
2: her. speak to this young one. Yeah, I would probably just be like Monty. My uh, initially my plan was to um, uh, hope we could uh, m- 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 make a con- connection with the, with this actress. Uh, so I got her the flowers, but uh, she was uh, well. She just she just wasn't very good. I don't think I could, would be able to come up with many compliments. And y- you're better at lying than I am. So would you mind? Fair enough certainly.
0: Can 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 Francis tell like with my assess honesty that? <laughs> Donald is not being entirely forthright about his intentions.
1: I think he's being forthright. What, it is, <laughs> <it> was <laughs> I think he thought it was. I think he thought there was a non-zero chance that this was going to be his sister.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
2: And in finding out that it's not, he really. But genuinely that's not the reason he's, not, he's presented like, to us.
0: No, like it's not because we don't that's know anything true. about this sister at all.
2: But I don't think is it. Is it? Would it be that? I mean, it's his. One of his. Like he did want to talk to them so that we could get more information and now he doesn't want to. Like those two facts are 100%. That's true. sure. Fair like, enough. Like he was going to do it to get the information and now he no longer wants to do that. So he's not really telling any lies. He's just leaving something out.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean you might you might get a you might get a you might get a little a little hint uh Francis that like maybe maybe he's leaving a little something out.
0: Yeah, I feel like cumulatively like Francis is aware of the extent to which like there's a lot going on that Donald's not talking about, but she's not going
1: to. Yes. Yes. I I think that's probably very clear for you that like he's saying one thing, but there's, there's more going on behind the eyes than, than, uh than he's letting on. So are, are, are all three of you going to head backstage? Monty, are you just going to head backstage yourself? What's your, what's your plan here?
3: I mean, I'm happy to do it myself. If, if others would either like to do something else in the meantime, or I just just it, you know,
0: it it feels like um cuz i assume donald has relayed um, the details probably a little a little bit more of that conversation at the flower shop mm-hmm. that there is tension around admirers of celeste and my concern is is that, that if a single young man brings her flowers that you might be rebuffed mm-hmm. but if there is if there's a reason if there is something that we should we should divide and conquer about then then we should divide and conquer
2: Probably would be best to approach her, especially if, like you said, there's a, does seem to have a particular aversion to admirers. So it might be best to establish Monty right away as no romantic threat. <laughs> I think I can do that. Oh, <laughs> bless. <laughs> we mustn't work hard.
0: <laughs> well, is there? So, is there anything that we? because we've looked at the box we've poked a little bit backstage not that much kind of mostly around the we we didn't actually poke we just kind of looked um and talked to, to xavier whenever we were here um i'm trying to think if there's something that we can should we try to meet the the managers should we try to to make a connection there donald
2: I do think that in both in character and out of character, I do think that the more time we spend in the theater and like, the, it just, we're, we're just mm. raising suspicions of like, that's fair. like we already have now, you guys have been in there and if they, you know, if this is the sort of like, you know, this, this debauched Duke, even without the supernatural thing, like he definitely would know who's been in his thing. And yeah, if we're just poking around the theater longer and trying to talk to the managers, we're probably going to. Start. We're going to have to find back roads, I think, more so than direct routes.
0: Okay, fair enough.
2: That's my sense of it. I don't know. Tom, do you?
0: I,
3: I do agree, but I'm also not sure... I I would like to be able to procure information outside of the theater, but I don't know where or how we would go about yeah. doing that once we leave. That's, that's my only issue there, is that I, I agree it's dangerous doing it here, but just... Where we go from here is the question. We know
0: the composer a little bit. We've spoken to the librettist, um, but we haven't actually pursued the Cuvier. If there's
3: ways that we could find where, like a a different social setting or even at his home where we could get in touch with, talk to the composer or or the the art director or someone like that outside of the theater, terrific. Like, we have, all three of us have good sneak. We could
2: trail somebody.
3: We might be able to trail someone out of the theater tonight. That is true. Um, I will go and, uh, present the flowers and just see, you know.
2: See if we can do.
3: If I, just, we'll just see what happens. We'll see what sense I get of this young woman.
1: Sounds good. And so, Francis and Donald, are you going to head out, given Donald's, um hesitation to spend too much time in the theater.
0: Yeah, like, it, it might be worth um, scanning the crowd because I think, Donald, you would recognize you had the connection with Cuvier, obviously, with your with your culture. Um, and you may also be able to recognize one of these other managerial types. Yeah. Um, so we can sneak along after if we've spot them. Otherwise, we may just wait outside.
1: Sure, I think that makes sense. So the two of you kind of head outside while Monty heads back to the backstage. And there's not a lot of activity back there. It seems like most of the performers have, you know, this is something they do every night. They've kind of quickly moved um, away and out, ready to move on with with their evening. But you do see that Celeste is back there. She's kind of... It seems like she's kind of, like, more slowly taking her costume... Like, you know, taking her costume off and, like, getting back into into regular clothes. She's kind of lingering.
3: Does it seem as if she is lingering, perhaps, to wait for someone?
1: It's hard to say exactly. She's not, like, looking around over her shoulder, like she's clearly okay. looking for someone. But she does seem to be, like, you know, delaying a little bit.
3: Well, once she is finished changing, certainly. (laughs) Um, Hey. (laughs) How you doing? Hi. Uh, (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) Um, Didn't realize this was the dressing room. Um, I will, I will go forward and I will, uh, I'll say, uh, you must be the young woman Celeste, if I may, some beautiful flowers for uh, the beautiful young flower of the theater.
1: As soon as you start moving toward her and you say her name and kind of holding out the flowers, she turns and runs the other direction. Interesting. Okay. Like she's uh, trying to d- get away from you.
3: Where? Just through the halls of the of the backstage of the theater.
1: Yes. You. I mean. Yeah. She's she's probably heading towards some sort of door. Okay. I will give chase.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's All right. right. You will. <laughs>
1: Well, sir, that is going to be that is going to be an athletics check. So let me know if if you would like to spend any points and how many, and then please roll me a d6.
3: Okay, um, I will spend uh, five. Um, I will just spend a point. Uh, I, I'm not. I won't be devastated if she gets away, but I will spend a point just to see if I can
2: perhaps catch up to her. You might be running of- into the mouth of hell too. Yeah. So.
3: Madam, I simply wanted to, to hand you your flowers for your excellent performance. And I rolled a one.
0: Oh no.
1: <laughs> so she starts running away and you like start calling after her and like trying to give chase, but there's there's <laughs> props and things in back there and you trip and you spill over <laughs> and fall. So <laughs>
2: it's like oh, just dear. a moment of slapstick out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. He falls on a big horn. <laughs> I Fall it into a tuba, in a yeah. <laughs> into a tuba. You come out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Is there anyone else backstage here after these after these various pratfalls?
1: Uh, There's a couple of stagehands back there. Yes.
3: I just I stop and I will turn to one of the stagehands and just thrust the flowers into their <laughs> hand. <laughs> okay. Like, give this to give this to your sweetheart or whomever.
1: All right, so meanwhile, Donald and Francis, you are outside kind of looking around, and the crowd, you know, the crowd initially is kind of big. Lots of people are filing out, you know, kind of moving out of the opera house. But I think, Donald, you probably spot the back door opening, and Celeste kind of, like, quickly but also kind of sneakily trying to, like, move out of the back door and, like, down the alleyway.
2: I would probably, like... Hit Francis's arm and be like,
1: oh.
0: "Oh, I think Monty's not done as well as he thought he would. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. <Poor Monty. laughs>
2: no, I, I would venture not. She's not even holding the flowers. I spent money
0: on oh. them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he was so confident. And his he would probably and... <laughs> start like
2: he would start without kind of realizing it. He'd just he'd be moving behind, like following yeah. where she's going, trying to.
0: Yep. Same.
1: Are you doing that sneakily? Are you trying to like run her, like run up to catch up to her?
2: No, we're relatively. I don't. I don't necessarily want her to know we're following her because she does look like she's in a hurry. But Mm. we're trying to. I would imagine we're trying to see where she's going.
0: Yeah, she looks a little spooked. We don't want to spook her more.
2: The hope is we cross with Monty because we figure she's running from him.
1: Um, okay so so we're gonna do some sort of sneaking test here um, we could do a couple of do this in a couple of different ways there's a there's a, a way to do piggybacking and there's a way to do cooperation and I think I think they I think either one is applicable in this case and so piggybacking means one of you is the main roller and one of you is the kind of secondary roller the secondary roller just spends one point to be able to use the role of the main roller mm mm-hmm. And a cooperation would be you can both spend as many points as you want, and one person uses their full spend, one per, and the other person, and you add on all but one of the second spend for the roll together. So, are you both decent at sneaking? Do you want to do cooperation?
0: I'm pretty good. I mean, I've got a five in sneaking.
2: I have a two. Okay. So you could do the main one, and I—I I mean, I could yeah. spend one of those two and just keep one.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense.
0: Yeah, is there how many would I need to spend? Um, was there a
1: so you you choose and then you'll roll?
0: Okay, so I, I choose how much to spend. let yeah, he's so um, yeah.
1: Donald is spending one to be able to piggyback on your roll and you're just take is, whatever right. your roll is. right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Then I will spend. Let's go for it. Let's let's add three. Let's let's see if we can make this work. See if we
2: can't succeed where Monty failed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Take
2: away one
0: of my sneak points. That's a four? That's four total.
1: total. A yeah. four total, ah, four total, yes. So you and Donald uh start to kind of sneak uh behind Celeste as she seems to be moving down the alleyway. And you think you're doing a pretty good job of kind of staying out of view. And then over your shoulder you hear Monty shout, Donald, <laughs> Francis! Oh, <Monty. laughs> It didn't go well!
3: Don. Francis, I. You know, I. Oh, what, what are you doing? Why are you sticking to the shadows? What's going on? You look. Wow. Why are you acting like a couple of ne'er do wells out on the street? I. You. <laughs> Uh, You know, I can't say that this is the first time I've ever seen this reaction from a young woman in my presence, but I will say it doesn't happen all that
1: frequently.
0: Can I assume that uh, Celeste has... (laughs) As
1: well, yeah, so as, as soon as you kind of look <laughs> over your shoulder at Monty, she, she like, turns down another alleyway and and, and disappears from view. M-
3: Monty bumbling idiot hog
2: here tonight It's <laughs> really good. He managed
1: to, s- to
2: ruin two opportunities with her in the span of 30 <laughs> seconds. That has to be a record, Monty.
0: Oh, Monty. Well, that was a bit <sighs> of a bust. And the opera was terrible. Now that I could focus on it that much, admittedly.
3: You seem to enjoy the first
2: half of it, or so.
0: <laughs> I did. I did. I did.
2: So I guess Don is kind of looking down like the alley that she was headed down to. Just is it just off into like the regular, like the homes and residential areas of the neighborhood.
1: Yeah, it would be it would be nearly impossible to tell. Like it's yeah. it's, an, it's a crowded enough area that to get some sense of where she was going would be impossible.
3: Oh, <sighs> and Francis, I don't know if you. Uh... I didn't mention it to you at the time, uh, just because you seem to be so lost in the show, I suppose. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That
0: was what happened. (laughs) When
3: (laughs) Celeste was singing uh, the Duke's Box, the curtain parted, and there was a gloved hand that came out, seemed to be holding the curtain open. Someone is taking a very special interest in Hmm. Miss Celeste, and I don't know if... Here's what I can't figure out. Is she a part of this? Is she wrapped up in it, but is sort of, I don't know, lack of a better term, being groomed for something or being sort of taken along, taken in by some sort of lie? Is she going to be some sort of victim? I worry with, what what was it that Brisson said that there were horrible things that could occur during the performance, right? That he was writing about terrible things that could happen, and he, he thought that they wouldn't actually be staged because they were too too real, too uh, unpleasant. I I worry that Celeste, as the star of this show, will either have to perform these things or have these things done to her. So I wonder if uh, she is being groomed as some
2: sort of willing, but perhaps not, not knowing victim. Mm. What do you know, uh, Monty, about this duke? character I I assume that in in your travels you've come across people who uh, just, uh, yeah I don't want to insult your line of work but what do you know about the Duke so
3: between my obviously my demimond had gave me some information but I also have history do what either of those l- tell me anything about the Duke about his anything more than I already you know kind of knew or have heard about the Duke Someone we could call Uh, even where he where he might Mm. be living in the city. Like if there's a historical kind of
1: home or something where they manor,
3: yeah, manor or something that they occupy. Sure,
1: sure. So he is not a he's not like a successful businessman or politician. He's just a wealthy man. He's a Mm -hmm. he's a man who has inherited a great deal of wealth and is using it to do whatever he'd like. Francis, Mm. you would know that he and his wife, because of your society ability, that he and his wife live in a manor in the Faubourg Saint-Germain district, uh, which is the kind of the historic home of the aristocracy that's kind of now fading as the rising industrial class kind of takes over the city. And you even think, Francis, that, you know, you have some social connections, you could probably get an audience with the Duke or at least the Duchess.
0: Hmm. (laughs) i will i will bring that up i i will say i I know i have an idea of, of basically where he lives and i think if we want to attempt an actual above board meeting at his residence i think we have a very good shot um i mean you know i have connections through myself through my aunt i don't know if we can meet him but potentially his uh lady wife Get mm. us in the it drawer. might even
2: be safer meeting the wife. Uh, odds are he, well, I. Well, it's safe to say some of these more debauched, richer folks will leave the wife uh, at home when they get to their sick games. So uh, they, she also wouldn't, she wouldn't recognize either of you either. So she wasn't here tonight. So, so, Francis, I think this is a very good idea.
0: I mean, unless she was behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. There's no way to know.
2: Oh. I, w-
3: I, I suspect. If we are not currently known to the Duke, we will be in short order. And Uh, obviously a meeting with the Duchess, would she may pass on the information the next time she sees her beloved husband. But we're sort of already in that hot water, so pursuing it further, maybe... Why jump out now? Yes, maybe, maybe the best course of action, going as close to what appears to be the source of this strangeness as we can. Perhaps that's the best the
2: best pursuit that we can do. We are part of this body, whether we like it or not. We've been once again, find ourselves swimming amongst the, 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 the nonsense. And so I agree with Monty. <laughs> we strike to the, we, we go to the heart and strike that uh, best I've got.
1: So it's about 10 PM. So, so visiting the Duchess tonight is probably, <laughs> probably tonight. off the table, but not you can potentially Western. set up it, set it up for the following day.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Francis, I, you are the one with the connections, you are the one with this idea, and you are the, the mastermind of this particular uh, avenue of inquiry, so will you be the one kind of to do the talking, the introductions, etc.? Uh,
0: certainly! I I think I have a, a, a decent shot of, of not making her run in the other direction.
3: Wow, that's very cold,
2: that's very cold. <laughs> Perhaps I we should leave the flowers at home this time. <laughs> Where did those flowers go, Monty? I spent money on those. They went to a good home, Don. I suppose that's all <laughs> you can ask for.
0: Um, I think Francis does does actually pause and like is gonna grab both of y'all's like forearms, predator style, and is going to to just say, "Thank you, thank you for for being here." There is uh, not a lot makes sense, and the two of you make sense to me, and. I think I would be running into this regardless, but it feels a little easier having both of you with me. And thank you.
3: You're welcome. I wouldn't be doing this without the two of you either. So you're welcome as well.
0: (laughs) And she's going to like kind of lightly tap Donald and just be like, (laughs) don't, please don't run off again. Stay with us. Let's figure this out. Or die together.
3: I don't know if you saw what happened to me back
2: there, but Don, we need you. <laughs> well, somebody needs to be able to, to charm someone here. <laughs> and you, you are nothing if not charming, sir.
1: He, yeah, he not not mentioning anything about his conversation with Albert from before. <laughs> nope. Yeah, we yelled at him. <laughs>
2: then it went great. Dom is the charmer of the group. All right, listen, I'm the one who got the most info. <laughs> it's true. It's I true. screamed at a man until he told me what I, what I wanted to know.
0: Until his father came out to tell you to stop yeah. bothering his baby boy. <laughs> but we don't know that.
2: I would I would probably say if like would 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 Tom like I, I know that we obviously have returned to Fitz, but like is there. I would imagine that in the night we would probably want to know like so we know what we know about the Duke on a cultural level We know what we know about him on like in terms of like he has a box of the opera he smells weird he's got he's a Svengali he's got all this stuff It's like the last piece of the puzzle would be finding out like what does his name mean in the in the criminals mm. the the nastier parts of society does he have a reputation is he getting is he taking people you know like that's fair I mean we
3: we know that he has. I do know from those connections that he has those sadistic
2: yeah. can you, but can it we would dig be them? good
3: to know if there's more yeah more can, like we that? dig at that or Justin, mm-hmm.
2: yes. is that the most we can know about that I might be able to reach out to some of my
3: contacts to see if there's any more information I can glean is there any more
1: <laughs> if you wanted to kind of spend the, even, spend the night like trying mm-hmm. to canvas some of these
3: mm-hmm. shadier
1: areas and just ask around you certainly could do that
3: alright I'm I'll need some of my beauty sleep before we meet the illustrious Duchess, but if I can spend at least
2: a few hours doing that, that would be useful. It's a worthwhile activity for all of us, yeah, because it's like, well, what else are we going to do? It's late. We mm-hmm. don't really know where to go. We don't really know where to look.
0: I mean, I, I've got to write a very, a very polite letter to a to an yeah. unknown Duchess, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and hope that she has visiting hours tomorrow.
2: So I would yes. probably see. Ask, I would join Monty on his canvassing if if he allowed.
3: Yeah, I would. Yeah, for for sure. So don't don't be too put off by this. Just let me do the talking. There's some very unsavory characters, so you know. Oh yes, yeah, assumed.
0: And should we should we set up a rendezvous for for the morning? I guess. Yeah. Well, just meet.
3: Should we just meet in, at near our regular cafe in the morning? Something like that prepared Mm. to dressed, prepared to see a duchess they
2: will dress in finery
3: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) guess who's coming (laughs) to dinner
1: (laughs) all right so francis heads home probably drafts her her note uh, and gets and probably uh best penmanship exactly exactly ask one of your your aunt's servants to make sure it's delivered first thing in the morning (laughs) so you can answer (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) meanwhile uh Monty and Donald go out on the town in the, in the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah. And how do you think, Monty, you are going to approach this? Are you going to... What, what skill do you want to use and describe how that works?
3: I think where I'd, what I'd like to start is, if I know what some of his proclivities are already, based on some things that I've heard, I probably know the locations where those are most likely to...
1: Yes, yes.
3: ...occur. So I would go to those and ask some of the, any, any of my points of contact that are either work those locations or are regularly in attendance at those locations, if they have any more information about, uh, about the Duke, about what he does, about, um, you know, the kinds of activities he engages in and how he chooses to kind of spend his money there and that sort of thing. Just if there's any additional information that they know about him.
1: Sure. So you two, you two spend, you know, a few hours kind of moving from some of the, moving from place to place. They they all make you uncomfortable to be there, I think, uh, because it's some of the dark, some of the darker and and most seedy areas of Paris. But you know, Monty, you're with especially with demi-monde and reassurance and negotiation, right? Like you have a, you have a whole host of interpersonal abilities. I think with those things, you're able to talk to some people and you get a pretty good sense of the, 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 the type of taste that the duke has and it's as unsavory as you had heard rumors of. But the other thing that you hear is that he's been gone for a few weeks or at least he hasn't been around his local haunts for a couple of weeks. Hmm. Interesting.
2: When did uh, Marcel say this play had started to be mm-hmm. produced? When did those sessions he had with him begin?
1: He didn't say specifically. It would have been longer than a couple of weeks ago um, because he's written the libretto and it sounds like the rumors at least are, are that Cuvier is behind on producing the opera. Yeah. And so it's it's been a matter of months that this has been kind of in, in the works.
3: It gives me two operating theories. One is that the Duke is indeed gone and someone is impersonating him. The other is that he... Is so wrapped up in creating this in funding and creating this particular show um, that he is no longer partaking in his normal perversities um, and has chosen to uh, perhaps channel all of that into this performance, which is not
2: neither of those uh, reassuring ideas. Seems this play just requires so much, so much effort and, and, and commitment and and. and Energy from its from its players, the performers, the, the what you've told me about the set mm. designers, even what I heard from the flower boy. I, th- this is it, there's an unnatural nature to this, so I tend to agree. And unfortunately, that neither leans towards one theory or the other.
3: No, the uh, the only other thing that makes me think is that if the Duke is himself putting so much of himself into this, as to also be. Getting worn down, then perhaps there is another figure that we don't know of yet who is
2: influencing him or pulling strings in some way. Do you do you think this all has anything to do with, well, you know, Cabot and the Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Do you think that this? I
3: I think it must. Right uh, with the, the masks, the sky with the black sky and the, or the black sky white. Black Star's White Sky? It's, it's yeah. wrong. It's, whatever it is, it's the wrong thing. That one.
0: <laughs> That's all I know.
1: <laughs> you can see why Xavier had such trouble with it. He it, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't compute. <laughs>
3: Even that sickly yellow tome and all of it, it's very, um, it harkens back to that certainly, doesn't it? It does. Now, I thought we had killed the thing that was causing this undue influence around town. So either we are going to see some sort of horrible gargoyle beast at the root of all of this, or there's something else happening which is causing these things to occur.
1: All right, so so I think you probably convene in the morning, mm-hmm. and relatively quickly, I think, Francis, you get a, a letter, a, a note back from the Duchess that she is willing to, to have you and your companions over for, for tea, uh, you know, kind of early afternoon-ish time. Uh, but you, you all have the the morning to do with as you as you please. Pierre Ooh. is at Le Vougra. He, um, you know, it, hey, in the morning it's, it's pastries and coffee with a little champagne if you if you're interested in it.
3: Of course, <laughs> always interested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd quite like to, to find out what's up with Cuvier if we're able to, um, since he's the the only other person we have a link to, and we know that he's. He was churning out music, and and not so much anymore.
2: Do we have a way to um? Yeah, do we know how to get in touch with him without yeah, to quickly
3: back meet theater? up with with him or
0: someone.
1: Investigate
3: his uh, you know where he lives, etc.
1: So I think your your most direct line to getting to figuring out where Cuvier lives is is Brisson, uh, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. librettist. Whoa. Mm-hmm.
0: That'll so it's well. up to you
1: whether you want to go back and talk to him or not.
0: I mean, is there anything else that we can do with the morning? Let's just break into the opera house, find the secret libretto, burn it, and see if it <laughs> fixes and everything. Be done with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's
1: that's the that's the other thing I think about about <laughs> Cuvier is, is is I think you had identified that the one copy of the libretto he has.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, he's
1: mm-hmm. got it. Or at least that's what Brisson said. Yeah. Do
3: we have enough time to talk to Brisson and then go to where Cuvier lives if we get that information? Oh yeah. Before yeah, tea yeah. tonight. We
0: walk quickly, sure. briskly. I
3: mean, if we gotta talk to him again. We gotta talk to him again. Unsavory as it seems, we might be able to get the information out of Brisson potentially quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Give it a shot. So you 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 head to uh, you head back to Marcel Brisson's apartment. Yoo-hoo. He um, he still looks in again a similar shape that similar similar shape to what he did <laughs> the day before. But he actually, and Donald, I think you would be happy to see this. He seems to be packing his things, hey, or at least packing a bag, a bag to to get out of town, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure you're pleased about. But he is still there, and I think based on your conversation from the day before, he is willing to share with you the address of. Isidore Cuvier, who is the composer.
3: Excellent, excellent. Marcel, thank you very much. You've been most helpful. And uh, best of luck on your journey. Safe Safe travels. travels. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Le jinx. Definitely leaving that in at the same time.
1: (laughs) That That was natural, That was. I know. So you head over to where the address of Isidore Cuvier is, it's actually his apartment is in the same a similar neighborhood, not like on the same street or around the corner or anything from Rue Caron uh, but it's it's on the north side of the Seine, unlike the, the apartments in the Latin oh. corner, so it's a little bit of a seedier area mm-hmm. um, how are you approaching this apartment?
2: Don does the, definitely doesn't want to get too close because he's still paranoid that anyone from the theater is, is, like, like the Duke. Like, they feel he feels like we can talk to the Duchess, but, like, we get involved with these people who are really intimately involved in the play. They're going to recognize us, and we're screwed.
0: I mean, we could don disguises. <laughs> get a fake beard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. So would probably
2: be looking back to see if there's any movement anywhere near it. Like, some, someone coming out, someone going in, a gargoyle in the window.
0: <laughs> I mean, do we want to try the same approach at all? Do we want to to try again? You know, hello, like you know, we've we've we're here for an interview. We're here for. Well, it
3: worked well enough last time. Yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. Sure. I'll hang
2: back then.
0: That's fair. Having a, a, a good set of eyes watching is no bad thing.
1: So Donald, are you? You're staying. You're you're not gonna go to the actual door of the apartment. You're across, gonna kind
2: of. Yeah, no. I'm a, yeah, I'm across street. I'm gonna watch because those two were the ones who did the thing at, at the thing. So it that wouldn't make sense to add a third person to the, you know, when they took the pictures. So he would just stand back, watch, kind of observe them from across the way, and if anything seems out of sorts, then where if he sees someone going in, like then he can intervene.
1: Yep, that makes sense to me. All right, so Francis and Donald head into the apartment, they find the, the, yep, Monty and Francis go into the apartment and find the the right apartment door and knock, and the door opens, and you see a young man, good looking, uh, he's wearing just a white t-shirt, and you can see that he's like kind of muscular, but he's also like dripping (laughs) sweat like he like he like he has been working that he's been working hard he's been like like he's he's going through some sort of like laborious <laughs> process looking past him his apartment is covered in sheaves of music that lie in a wild disarray across the flat oh dear and he says yes hello can i can i help you
3: all right before i answer just a white t-shirt <laughs> No bottoms. He's Donald Duck in it.
1: <laughs> no, he has. He has pants on too. <laughs> okay. He has pants on too. <laughs> just a white T-shirt on top. And uh, else. first,
3: as I see when he opens the door and I see past him, paper covering his apartment. I'll just uh, some, oh, some memories. Familiar. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Great. Hello, sir. Are, are you the illustrious Mr., Monsieur Cuvier?
1: Yes, that is that is me. Uh, Glad to meet you. And you are. My name
3: is uh, Montgomery Hogg. This is uh, my associate, Francis. Oh, well, hold on. What's her last Anderson. name? Anderson. <laughs> Anderson. <Francis. laughs> Anderson. Uh, Anderson.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll say canonically. She did jump in there and, and finished her name and, and shook his Francis hand. Francis
3: Anderson. Yeah. Bonjour. Yes. <laughs> 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 we are conducting a series of interviews uh, about the local theater uh, as a way to spread word and get more patrons in to enjoy the arts as i'm sure you yourself know though the arts are doing very well they're not doing as well as they once were and we want to encourage as many folks as possible to come and visit the theater and uh, take in all of the wondrous sights and sounds for themselves. So we are doing this series of uh, interviews in order to spread the word. Uh, would you be uh, interested in perhaps just answering a few questions about your work?
1: He kind of like rolls his eyes like high up into the air as if this is some great imposition to him. And he's he says, well... I mean it will it will take me I, I do have a lot of work to do and it will take me quite a bit of time to regain my concentration, you see, but uh well I suppose I suppose you could come in and he he ushers you into the apartment. The one thing that you notice as you come in, in addition to the the music that is kind of scattered about the apartment, is that there's a gun sitting uh, on the top of his piano. Oh dear.
0: What have we just done? sitting there on the top. We've done it again. We've walked into the crazy man's apartment as two out of three.
1: <laughs> what we do. <laughs> Oops.
0: There's a gun on the desk. Fabulous. I love it.
1: He says, "Yes, I'm sorry. You can you can move some of the some of these papers out of the way if you'd like to sit." And he 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 offers you a couple of chairs. Would
3: it be possible for me to uh, as we like move some of the papers for me to like palm one of the just uh, one mm-hmm. of the pages of music
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely didn't we
0: establish at the organ that you were the one that played it monty and and you actually have some didn't musical I ability
2: i
1: might you didn't touch it
2: oh no you no. press one key i pressed i think i keys. pressed one key uh, yeah
1: yeah i think donald i think donald was the one that really <laughs> that really played
3: <laughs> cool.
1: well thank you so much for
3: giving us a few moments of your time i promise we can make this very very quick very quick uh we have already been doing some interviews around. We understand you are working on something new. Is that is that true? What exactly is your current uh, is your current work that you are creating?
1: Yes, uh, that that's true. I, I I am working on something. I'll I'll be honest with you. It's it's a bit of a grind right now. As you can see, I'm very busy and working very hard to try to complete this. I don't know if you know a Theodore Larsenou. He's the artistic director at the Palais Garnier. He sought me out. He's, he's heard a bit about me, sought me out, and asked if I could help him find a librettist for a performance that he was hoping to create. I suggested my good friend, good friend Marcel Brisson. I believe some, some of the deal required Marcel to adapt a play by an amateur writer. I don't know it's most of that is is beyond what I care about but I I am composing the score.
0: Indeed. Well that speaks very highly of your talent sir that you're sought out and by by such illustrious names.
1: Yes well uh I do hope that I can live up to it. I feel confident that what I'm working on is is quite beautiful. Um would you would you like to hear it? It's it's not complete but I I think you'll understand just how close I am to something special. And we're gonna pause the two of you there <laughs> oh, as he dear. asks if you want oh, to hear dear. some of it.
0: I don't know that I do.
1: And shift shift outside. <gasps> oh, no. To to Donald. You know I couldn't leave Donald oh, alone no. out hanging,
2: there. Hands in his pockets. So,
1: <laughs> so Donald, you're you're just kind of watching the building, and you hear a voice say, "Sir, sir, it, excuse me, sir." Yes. You look over and you see that it's uh, Albert's grandfather, the the man that you saw in the florist shop yesterday. Mm-hmm. He says it, you were, and you can see now that he, as he gets closer, that he seems pretty distraught. And he says, "You were, you were in the shop yesterday. Is, is that right?"
2: Yes, I was. Spoke with your, your your grandson Albert.
1: Yes, I thought so. Uh, can you tell me? More about what you were talking about. I I know this might come as a great shock. Were, were you friends? I I believe that Albert is Albert is dead. And that is where we are going to no! end our story for the now. Flower boy! Oh no. <laughs>
0: Sweet angel.
2: Poor poor Donald is getting people killed, he's not even trying to.
0: <laughs> you tried. You told he's him like, to try- back off. <laughs> he's
2: trying to help, like he's telling people to let go away. He's like on this, like he thinks he's on a mission of mercy, and he's just killing people. Oh, no.
3: <laughs> Thank goodness we're about to listen to some perfectly normal soothing music.
0: This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws called "Ghosts of the Garnier both used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at NOMGpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash NOMGpodcast.